stay informed and up to date. It's the Daily Maverick Show, Tuesdays, 1 to 2 p.m. on cliffcentral.com. Thanks to Gary and Claire on the Laws of Life show and excellent show as always. Uh, good afternoon. It's now 1.07 p.m. and you're tuned into the Daily Maverick show on Cliff Central. My name is Kingsley Kipuri and I'll be your host for the next hour. Today I'm joined in studio by Daily Maverick associate editor Ranjani Munasami and Daily Maverick contributor Gashwal Brooks. Gashwal, as always, good to have you on board. And Ranjani, it's been a while since you've been. Welcome back. I know. Hey, and it's like the worst day ever to come in and talk politics when you want to scream about cricket. I'm sorry, man. I don't <laughs> I, know a hell of a lot about cricket, but I know it is a sad day. That, oh, I do know that. Much. It was a sad tragic. Day. It was like a multiple tragedy, you know. I was so much went wrong, you know. You don't even know where to start to explain. Like if somebody, if I had to say to you this X is what happened. It would be X, Y, Z, A, B, C, D, you know, you start the whole alphabet. It's just so much went wrong. But there was still hope. I think that's the big problem. Yes, there's still I hope. Mean, right Up until the, the end. Ball. Yeah. <laughs> Up until the end. Um, yeah, so I think we, we might maybe at the end observe a moment of silence for the end. <laughs> I think that would be very appropriate. It's appropriate. <laughs> there we go. Um, Gashwal, well, just before we begin, remember we're in civilized company today with Ranjani, so let's, <laughs> let's behave with decorum. So no, no funny stuff. No, let's just keep it, you know? Clean. I'll behave. <laughs> okay, he'll behave. Okay, we've got that. We got him on the record saying he'll behave. As much um, as I can. <laughs> <laughs> now to go into our first topic, we'll be talking about the Roads Must Fall campaign. Um, heading down the Western Cape and really the, the, the protest that we've been seeing at, at UCT. Um, just to give you an idea of, of the kind of atmosphere that's there right now, we'll just play a quick clip. What you just heard there, the, the sounds of UCT students, the SRC, and accompanying students protesting uh, for the, the the removal of the of the road statue. Uh, the primary demand is really to have the statue gone and and have that as the first step towards um, what they want as true transformation. I mean, uh, Gashwal, I know you. I know you went to Rhodes. Is this is this something you've no, been watching? No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. I knew people from Rhodes. Oh University. yeah. <laughs> I went to Vitz. You went to Vitz. Okay, so the, you want to just be clear. You want to be clear about Yeah, we're that. a little more progressive there. Uh, <laughs> no, um, yeah. I don't know. You know what? I find it very interesting. And um, I don't know. It's it's the subject of my next column. So since oh, it's fantastic. unpublished, I don't know if, if Brenko is going to be kind enough to put me out there. But <laughs> the question that I just have is, in as much as we know what the gripe is and what the issues yeah. are, and, and this, this issue around Rhodes' legacy and what he represented – and what he represents, that is obviously the main question. Um, but in as much as that's the situation, I'd really like to understand how a statue coming down really leads us down that path of, to, of real transformation. Yeah, I think because I think that in as much it's it's symbolic, mm. it's a starting point. But if that's the end game, and it really seems that there's a lot of attention focused on this, then I think it will all come to not nothing, but very little. I, 
I think yes, it's in the, it's happening in the context of the broader race debate in the country, and I think that's why it's so significant. I think that um, the issues of race have somewhat fallen off the national agenda in the past few years, mm. and has been forced back by uh, a, a number of things that have been colliding, and one of which has been uh, racial incidents, particularly in Cape Town, and uh, claims that um, that that uh, you know institutions, uh, restaurants uh, are discriminatory against black people, particularly in the Western Cape. So I think it comes within a context and it must be seen as such. And in order to confront the race debate, there are various ways to do it. And the, the, I think the, 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 most, the biggest way to confront it is via dialogue. Mm. Um, and you don't find that, that happening. There is somewhat of a resistance to dialogue on race issues. And you even find denial. I mean, I found it absurd that the mayor of Cape Town, uh, Patricia DeLille, is asking the deputy president for every Evidence of uh, racism in, in in Cape Town when it screams at you everywhere. I mean, that uh, was quite worrying, and it's in this, yes, exactly. this strange open letter format that people yes. seem to be favouring, and yeah. it's it's saying where's the proof? Show us the proof so that we can investigate. Exactly, you know. So so this is the problem, and I think that the the you know the, the anger that you're seeing from the students at UCT at the moment is 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 symbolic of the fact that there is this 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 frustrated kind of uh, scene around um, racism in in the Western Cape, and there's no outlet. For it, and I think that this, uh, you know, the, the the what is happening about the uh, on the road statue is symbolic of this, this this broader debate on race. Yeah, I mean, I like that you mentioned symbols because I think it's something that has been discussed, and we we saw it with the De Klerk Streets conversation. Is is what is the power of symbols? What is mm. the power of a statue, or naming an airport, or naming a street? Um, is it just simply stating that these things happened and we don't want to forget them, or is there more power in that? And I think. I think that's a conversation that should be coming. I mean, what should we do? Should we, should we not name anything after, you know, sort of uh, apartheid era leaders? Should we, should we have a, a sort of different place where we put all the statues and all the names? What, and I think that's something that people are trying to grapple with. What do we do? I think that, you know, the problem yeah. is that our country is so rich in history. Yeah. There's so much that's happened. Mm. And, um, yet, I th- you know, there is somewhat of a failure in society to, Kind of appreciate and uh, and embrace what happened and how it happened and who did what and therefore when mm. you have like an incident like the the uh, renaming of Table Table mm. Bay Boulevard to mm. F W De Clark Street or whatever it's called, um, you, you know you you find that people say oh well he was a former president yes. so maybe he needs it. You, you know, there isn't a full appreciation of what exactly happened. What was De Clark's role in South Africa? Mm. Before he became president, during his presidency, and after he became president, and why there is that resistance to him, people just seem as a former president. Oh, what's wrong with with uh, you know him being uh, a street being named after him? And the same happens with roads. Is that you know you see all these things uh, that are named after roads. Yeah, There's a, the the Mandela Roads Foundation mm. and things, and people say, oh, what's wrong with him? Like you know he gave land to UCT, <laughs> and there, there isn't an impressive yeah, yeah, there is a, isn't a full appreciation. And people don't have the knowledge of what exactly happened as to why it is so offensive for that statue to be there. But so you think, yeah, yeah, Gashu. I just wanted to ask this question. Mm-hmm. This is a question that I'm asking broadly in terms of activism, right? So we're sitting here and we've been discussing the statue now for a good two, three weeks. Yeah. Remember when what what my sort of the look on my face was mm-hmm. when we said that we're going to talk about the statue issue. And I think that a large portion of the debate, rather than dealing with the substantive issues around roads, around race, and all those other factors that Ranjani made mention of, that really needs to be discussed, a large portion of the debate has been spent on substantiation. 
and trying to explain why the UCT Why would this students, be offensive? Exactly. Why what is the yeah, issue? Exactly. And I mean, I, I watched a news clip this yeah. morning, and yeah. there was a young lady on, and she was saying that, uh, you know, one of the students, and she was saying, well, the impact that the statue has on students, you know, the psychological impact. Well, if you're going to base your entire argument on that issue, mm. then I'm sorry, you're not necessarily going to sell it to the general public, right? Because the question then is, what about all the other students that have come through this lengthy history at UCT now that it's open and transformed, inverted commas, that have managed to pass the statue and managed to get their degrees and move on with their lives and, and be very successful yeah. people. I think that the key issue, that issue of transformation and that race debate that we need to have has been sideswiped by persistent substantiation. And of course, it doesn't help when you take poo and you hurl it at the mm-hmm. statue because then that now takes the debate this down thing. the sewer. It's now who's a barbarian and who's a what. You're <laughs> forgetting that there's deep structural issues that... That I'd play here Exactly And, and uh, you know it, it just completely misses the point So I, I do really think That for me uh, What this is Really uh, A case study of Is how activism Sometimes needs to understand That they need to capture An audience But it's also the, I think that the, the methods of protest In our country There mm. is um, A lot of anger On a lot of issues And in, in many ways, I think South African society has become accustomed to protest action. I think the only time when it is when something out of the ordinary happens and then, then there is the rest of society pays no, attention. Just, yeah. So Marikana, people get shot dead. Oh, something yeah. happened there. But then we move on from it very, very mm. rapidly. So here, this poor protest, uh, you know, it's, uh, the, the people who are embarking on it see it as a desperate measure, a last resort in order to get national attention. Mm. And unfortunately, Unfortunately, society has paid attention only under extreme I mean, circumstances. It I mean, it this is the Washington Post, yes. Al Jazeera, and yeah. thing is it works. So it sort of re- like reinforces itself that this is how you get attention. But even the definition yeah. of it's working, uh, I find it very interesting okay, because, yeah, we're paying attention, yeah. right? Mm. We are paying attention. Yeah. But the question is, whatever your outcome is, that, that positive outcome that you want, are you actually going to achieve it? Because what I'm really worried about now is, is that you have a bunch of students who have, have an academic career, right? Yeah. That have an academic life that have yeah. now uh, staged a sit-in or lock-in at the offices. and They're obviously not studying and all kinds. I promise you, what, what easily happens in situations, and I've seen this because I myself was a student once upon a time when we at WITS, as progressive as we were, had our fair share of, like of protests. <laughs> right? um, we had our fair share of, of protests as mm. well. And what did you find usually the protesters were labeled easily after lengthy protests, that they were the flunkies anyway. You know, that it was a bunch of guys that were failing their courses. And you know what? This was a diversion from it so that they can go back to the counseling units and say, well, guess what? You know, we were protesting and fighting for our fellow students, and this is why this thing didn't work out. I think that they need to make a big enough deal of this so that we can see real change. And that, yes, maybe the statue should go down. But do it in such a way that you actually achieve the outcomes. The so, yeah, it's, I know it's, uh, I'm giving a lecture on activism, but that, that is really what it needs to boil I, I think in terms of effectiveness, it, it has been somewhat effective because suddenly the vice chancellor of, the, of UCT, uh, Max Price, is, is supporting the move. Um, you know, mm. he, he, the, the, the gestures and the sounds he's making as, a, as if yeah. he supports the, 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 uh, the statue coming down. But I think the, the, the question to be asked now is then what happens? What now? That's the thing. You see, so, uh, I mean, there needs to be 
some method in this madness because you take the statue down and then do what with it? Where do you put it? And then what happens to other statues? The EFF, for example, has been campaigning for the statue of Louis Borta, who they call Louis Borta, uh, to, to come down outside Parliament. Yes, the front, Parliament. Entrance, yes, absolutely. front entrance of Parliament. Yeah. And yeah, for years, yeah, 20 years, nobody said a thing about it. It was just there. That's the thing. These you things know? have always been there. Nobody uh, yeah, really like I walked past there 50 times, you know, just like, oh, All whatever. Right. Like, you know, you don't even <laughs> notice it. And suddenly the EFF, the, I think it was uh, Julius Manema's maiden speech, and he suddenly he says the statue of Louis Borta must come, come down. down, and everyone was like, "What? Who? Which statue? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, that one? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which Formula One driver? I know, right?" <laughs> 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 so, um, yeah, you know, it, it is an interesting debate and I think that society needs to be, it needs to grapple with this broader debate of race, of what is to be done with apartheid symbols, Absolutely. but also in, in dealing with history, passing down, um, information and knowledge about our history to, to the next generations. To the credit of the UCT students, it seems that at least the protest leaders seem to know what's going on. They, they have their, you know, they, they, they're very knowledgeable about what they're doing. It, I don't think it's just, you know, bunking classes. Um, they, 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 they're doing it with the full facts at their disposal. I mean, if you, you listen to their interviews, they know exactly why they're doing this and what, what they, what they want must happen next. So, and, and the thing is that it's spilling over to other campuses as well. Uh, you know, with, um, so it, it, it is lighting some kind of fire in the country and I think it would be a great tragedy if that is just, le- you know, left to lie after this. I mean, absolutely. Gashwal raises hand. <laughs> yes. That's it. That's the quorum. That's it. That's it. <laughs> just, just one question though. So let's assume that UCT sits down and, um, I, you know, I don't want to start a conspiracy theory, but let's say the management gets together and they okay. sit down together and they say, okay, you know, what, let's give them what they want. Take down the statue. We'll move it to a less prominent yeah, spot. Whatever. We'll move it or we'll take it down. Whatever. What next? What, I mean, ne- what next? Because now, remember, we've been going on about the statue issue. That symbol and the symbolism behind it has been removed or it has been, um, you know, new- neutralized at the minimum. The real question is what next? Does that change UCT as an institution? Because I think that is the broad debate that really should be held here, you know. I mean, with all due respect to the good doctor, Mampela Rampela, who was the former leader of Ahang who was also, and, and you'll correct me here, Ranjani, she was vice, uh, not vice, but chancellor of, of the University of U- Chancellor, yes. Chancellor yeah. at UCT. You know, saying that, no, it's transformed, it's a wonderful mm-hmm. place. We know our Ivy League universities are not necessarily the best example for transformation. transformation. Whether you talk about staff, whether you talk about uh, students from previously disadvantaged communities getting into the university, but the question is, do they get out with those necessary degrees? Mm. And the reason why they're not getting out with those necessary degrees and believe me, I was there. I understand what happens. I lived in men's res, which is the tough of the tough. You know, where all us, us bunch from the far-flung parts of the country live huddled in this one little res. Um, the problem is guys don't get those degrees, not because they're not studying hard, not because they're drinking every weekend. It's because it's an, a major life adjustment. And the question is, are you introducing programs to help those students? Is that – because that for me is real transformation. Not a, not just a statue. I'm not saying that the statue is ir- irrelevant. Mm. I'm saying, but it shouldn't end there. But I'm telling you, unfortunately, you know, if I've, I, if I had to be in that war room, uh, you know, on, on the other side, the UCT side, the management side, I'd have said, take down the statue and forget it. Forget it. I think They'll go. Home. <laughs> I think I, I I I definitely agree with you there. I'm I'm very worried that we may lose the the the, the real cause here, which is broad transformation. How many black professors do we have? Mm. What are the what are the conditions of the black staff? What is happening to 
to non-white kids from rural areas, from from townships. What mm. happens when they get to UCT? And and that's not being discussed right now. So and they're not surviving. I can tell you, uh, well, you know, a small number of them, answers. A, yeah. a small number of those kids are surviving. I that I can guarantee. Um, if you're just joining us now, uh, we're discussing the Roads Must Fall campaign. We're trying to get a hold of uh, the UCT SRC president. Uh, not not being successful. I think they're 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 still busy with the with the sitting they're staging right now in the admin block. Um, I'm joined by Gashwa Brooks and, and Jenny Munasami. Um, yeah, so I think in conclusion, it, it sounds like we are we're encouraged by the kind of student activism we're seeing, but we're worried that the the the, the end game may be lost here. I think that um, the next debate will be yeah. about uh, the name the name of Rhodes University. I think that's where it'll move mm-hmm. next. So it's it's gonna. I think it's gonna be very kind of top end the issues. I don't think that will be like grappling with the, with these real issues you're talking about. Um, you know the throughput of students, um, the the kind of support students get, yeah. financial, uh, uh, you know, and otherwise. And um, how much of the how many of them make it through the system? I, I think that will fall through the cracks. I think we're gonna have. Uh, a basically very co- cosmetic kind of uh, of debate on this uh, on this issue. Uh, but don't you think, Ranjani, that most of these things end up being like that? Because now you know, um, you, ha- you because you know what the thing is, and this is what I wanted to say about activism from the onset is that if you don't have societal buy-in, if if the rest of society doesn't understand what it's all about, what you're trying to achieve, um, and it doesn't make sense to society, mm. then they're not going to give you that support. You know, th- that's what I'm saying. That uh, with all due respect, but. You know the, the the admin of UCT, the guys in charge. Yeah. You know, don't really have to do much. They they can sit back and say that you're not. We fine. It's all about a statue. That's what we're going to make it about. Because really, let's be honest. The public debate has been about a statue. If I do talk radio, people call me in and they try to explain to me why, this, why, the, why statue the statue should stay, pre- and then others call in to tell me why the statue needs to go down. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, guys, really, a piece, you know, a piece of metal. A crafted piece of metal. That's what we've boiled this thing down to. And that, for me, is the most concerning aspect to this. That's it for this, this half of the show, discussing the Roads Must Fall campaign. I'm going to go into the break, and we'll, and we'll be back soon. You're tuned in to the Daily Mavic Show on Cliff Central. I'm joined by Gashwa Books and Ranjani Munasami. Uh, we, we just had a brief conversation on the Roads Must Fall campaign going on in UCT. Gashwa's laughing at me. I'm not, I'm no, not no, I'm not laughing at you. I was, I was hoping that I wasn't going to be quoted off air. <laughs> <laughs> That's why. And you said we were having a conversation. No, I was like, oh, yeah. Roads Must Fall campaign. That, what's, what stays during the, what happens on the break stays on the break. For sure. Um, now we wanted, we want to turn to something a bit different. Um, we we recently lost our, our minister of, of, of public service and administration, um, uh, Honorable Shabane, and 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 Ranjani, you've been working on on digging into uh, on on what happens now. What is the what is the political fallout? What are the consequences? I think I think one thing you've highlighted is that is that the relationship between the president and, and Honorable Shabani was not was not a regular one. It was not a purely work one. There seemed to be quite a, a sort of strong sort of strong bond there. And you know the strange thing, Kingsley, is that nobody knew there was this like tight relationship <laughs> that he was the main man, yeah. you know, until he died. It's it's so bizarre because, you know, he was a soft spoken, unassuming guy, you know. I remember like being in a uh, in in some uh, meeting where there were a lot of cabinet cabinet ministers. He was sitting behind me and said 
then he tapped me on the shoulder and said, "Hey, I'm going because he was so bored. You know? <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't stand being in the meeting, and then." <laughs> You know, for some reason he decided to I tell know, me he's going like, like okay. <laughs> Thanks for letting me know. But, know. You know, it was just that kind of. He was just like you know one of the one of the um uh, the guys you know you, and he you you would you, you would never know that he had that much power and influence, particularly over the president. And um you know when the president was in all sorts of trouble, for example, you know with his rape trial mm. and the mm. uh, criminal trial and what you know it what you never see people like. Chabani around like screaming, you know, like in the way other people, uh, used to be, um, you know, screaming from the microphones and saying we were killed for Zuma <laughs> and all those kinds of things. So he was very much a, a kind of backroom operator. Yeah. Um, and, uh, uh, after Zuma was elected, uh, ANC president in, uh, in the Polokwane conference in 2007. And then you suddenly saw the rise of Collins Chabani because mm. he then led this task team, um, that, uh, was putting in place a plan to change the structure of government in the way the, the, um, in line with the the, the NC resolutions from from the Polokwane conference, but also in terms of what the big boss wanted, the in, incoming president Zuma's preparing to take over power a year and a half after the Polokwane conference. Mm. So he then appointed his point man to 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 kind of uh, design the structure. And that's how you saw this kind of rejigged structure in government uh, with um, new departments being introduced that's and also uh, the Department of Performance Monitoring and uh, Evaluation. And you know, Zuma doesn't really talk about how he appoints people, why he appoints people, like the process he goes through because mm. uh, cabinet appointments are purely his prerogative. Yeah. So all you know is that, you know, he has a conversation at some point with Gwede Mantashe and, and then, you know... Calls people up and say, you're it, you know, that, that's basically what, all we know about it. So it was quite interesting at the funeral to hear him say that he actually thought at some stage that he wanted to appoint Collins Chabani as his director general in the presidency. Wow. So basically he would have been the person running his office, managing wh- where he goes, what he says, what mm. he does, you know. But then he decided that even that position wasn't powerful enough for Collins Chabani. Um, and he wanted him to basically be the class prefect over the cabinet. Over, over, over. Oh, yeah, so you know, to, to run this monitoring and evaluation ministry. And then he was saying that um, Chabani was submitting quarterly reports, you know, on, on uh, the, the performance of other ministers. But the question to be asked then is, so what happened? How did you have this dying ducks in a thunderstorm, yeah. you know, through for five years, you know, people goofing off, you don't know what, what they're doing, uh, what their job is. Like, for example, uh, Lulu uh, Klingwana in the Women's Ministry, I mean, I would have loved to see Collins Chabane's assessment like, of you her. You want to see that report, yeah. You want to see that Yeah. Part. So, you know, whatever it is that, that came up, because according to Zuma, what he mm. was saying at the funeral mm. is that quite a few of the cabinet co- colleagues were cross with Collins. Wow. Yeah, because they were angry with his assessments, you know. So obviously there were some things that he, he put out there, but the, the problem is Zuma didn't act on it. So he dropped the ball and he said, we could have had a really good operating system, uh, mm. you know. And then, so uh, after 2009, he decided to move him to public service and administration. And he says... Minister Chavani's passion was to get the f- the frontline officers working optimally. So everybody who deals with the public, so at home affairs, at social development, um, 
you know all the all the the places yeah, where you have, have to queue. Some reform at home affairs. Exactly, and he, he says yeah. you know that's what he wanted to get right. So I think it's you know been a real tragedy that somebody who was there, who had some passion for what he was doing, who was committed, who you know wasn't there for the luxury cars and you know to take selfies and post them on Twitter, <laughs> which is what you find some ministers doing now. You know he was there quietly working, and it's a real tragedy. You know that he had to be the one that goes. So I think you know there's a tough decision on on the president now as to who he replaces him with, but I you know the thing is that we we all say that if there's one thing the president needs is you know some good advisors, um, and it seems that you know that the the one good advisor he he did have uh, is now gone. So I I don't know how you fill that gap. I mean you mentioned the president's appointment process is a is a black box. Nobody really knows what what happens in there. Right? Yeah. At least not the public rather. So, but can we expect, uh, is it too optimistic to expect an appointment based on merit? I mean, we were lucky. It seems we had somebody who was there and actually was trying to, to, to fight the good fight and do the job. But I mean, unfortunately, we've seen so much alliance building and factionalism and, and, and it seems mm-hmm. that that's, that seems to be the basis decisions are made on. That's the problem. You know, there's so many, so many other, uh, criteria that go into the, to, to, to these processes. Uh, you know, who's in which faction, uh, who's in vogue at the moment, who, uh, you know, needs to, uh, you, you need to satisfy certain power networks. You need to, uh, um, satisfy gender balances, tribal balances, ethnic balances all sorts you know all these things come into play so you never know um you know and uh, the other thing is that you must know that the nc is preparing already on the road to its next elective conference in 2017 so it needs its power players to be in positions where they can pull strings mm. so you know this is why this cabinet appointment will be very interesting because uh, if you and i had to decide on it we'll say okay let's look around cabinet and see who's weak there yeah. so this is an opportunity for the president to be able to shift around the Chess pieces, you know, and 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 make and make some put, put uh, you know, where, where people are quite, uh, you know, it is quite apparent that they're messing up to move them out and put other people in. But he could go for a straight up. Um, you know, easy thing just to promote the deputy minister of public service and administration and be done with it. Yeah, I mean, Who knows? Uh, so you've mentioned the two ways this could go. I mean, is there? I know we know the president is a fan of the reshuffle. I mean, in his first term, we had four, we had four cabinet reshuffles. Yes. So is this? Could could you anticipate that potentially this could prompt a full on cabinet reshuffle? Well, you know, you don't you don't know where his head is yeah. at. Yeah. When I was watching him on Saturday, you could see that he was really, really affected by uh, Chabani's death. You know, mm. and it, it hit him. It hit him hard and because you know it, it happened so sudden he was he said for example that when he got the message around four o'clock and um so he waited a while and then he phoned chabane's wife around five mm. uh you know and she hadn't heard the by then she did, nobody had broken the oh news to her so can you imagine that shock oh to pick up the phone and the president's on the other line say i'm so sorry your husband's dead you know yes. can you imagine that and then when you know on, on zuma's part to we have to say that and then realize that you know, she she didn't, she didn't yet know. know as yet. You know, it's a additional trauma yeah. um, to to the whole uh, fact. But you, uh, you see, the thing is that all of this is unplanned now, and so you know he needs to um, to be able to to apply his mind to it because. 
you, you know, the thing is that uh, in all his speeches, the narrative is, oh, we're doing very well, we've got a good story to tell, blah, blah, blah. But he can't be oblivious to the fact that, for example, the Minister of State Security is, you know, blundering through his portfolio. He clearly doesn't know what he's doing. You know, from the signal jamming to, like, using some fake website to start investigations against Tuli Madonsela, you do not need that guy as your minister. Of, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, in charge of state security, state security. protecting the, you know, the security oh of the state. Oh Can you imagine? It's like, you know, having Mr. Bean there. So <laughs> it's just uh, unbelievable. So, you know, it, that that would be like one guy that definitely needs to move. Okay. The, the other person, I think, is Faith Mutambi, the Minister of Communications, communications. because I think she, you know, she has a inherent misunderstanding of what communications <laughs> what, mean. Of what exactly we're trying yeah. to do here. Yeah. <laughs> You know, if anything, she's been driving the, uh, the, everybody up the wrong way and not communicating properly, you know? She's been, um, disruptive to, uh, government's uh, messages, uh, any good messages that they have out there. She's contrary. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's so much so that I think even cabinet has been aware that she's not the best person in the job. Mm. So therefore, um, Minister Jeff Hadebe, the minister in the presidency, you see, has been addressing most of the government press conferences yeah. rather than yeah. the minister of communications <laughs> because I think, you know, they, they realize that the messages are, are just not, uh, penetrating. The other person that I, you know, I, I would certainly have the, the crosshair Please don't on. say Ministry of Energy. Don't say oh, Ministry of Energy. Definitely. Where is this woman? Where right. is the Minister of Has Energy? Has she said a thing? I, I, I she can't, hasn't said I, a thing. I don't think I mean, she said a thing. How do you, how is it that we're in the middle of this power crisis? It's, you know, the, the biggest thing ever in South Africa. And the person in charge of energy doesn't have anything to say on energy. You know, it's bizarre. But can I just ask okay, a question? Yes, because, I mean, with, with, with that sterling CV that you just gave us on Collins Chabani. Yes. How has she survived all of these storms? What? Yes. I mean, if you have to think about it, it was fishery and forestry before this. Yes. Huge mess up. Yes, and she has Absolute a, a, stuffer. a report from the public protector hanging over her, which hasn't been acted on, and she still mean, survives. How does she do it? Because, you know, and, and there was what I was going to ask you, because you have these young rising stars. Yeah. One would have assumed, because she's still relatively young herself, mm. I mean, compared to the other ministers. Collins Shavani, Malusi Gigabo, sort of in the same camp. Am I, am I correct there? You know, sort of the future of the ANC. That's yes. Where they, uh, that's where they were going to start investing. I mean, obviously, and God we know help Malusi. us all. Figile Mbalula. <laughs> I, I like <laughs> soft I, selfies. I like Resmatez. <laughs> I like Minister Resmatez. <laughs> but I should say he's been he's, he's been very impressive on Twitter lately. But <laughs> I, mean, I, think, I think today we had we had a restra- we had some restraint for him. We had support for the team. No, but he I mean, he gave up long before the game was done. You can't he was have, done. He was just know, like, "Good job, guys. Thanks. The Let's chief, support the, the guys lost. It's like it's not finished." <laughs> <laughs> he was just dead. The chief cheerleader like throws down his pom poms and walks off. You know you can't have that. <laughs> but yes, how how has she survived? I mean, what is the secret, Ranjani? Can you I, th- I think it's that she's in the right camp. I think she has um, the ear of the president. I think that she has some level of protection around her. Um, but you know, the thing is that, uh, and and the other thing is that uh, the the ESCOM crisis is uh, firmly in the lap of Minister Lynn Brown as Public Enterprises Minister. Mm. So I think she's carrying the can a lot. But the thing is that in t- what we have at the moment is a shortage of of, um, of energy generation um, and uh, you know there's a problem in the energy supply she as a minister of energy should then be talking that 
up, that side up. Yes, the, the manage, in terms of the management of the power utility, that may be Minister Brown's baby. But in terms of the power generation, that definitely should be Tina Jamat-Peterson's um, responsibility, but she has nothing to say. And so, for example, now the, the, the performance monitoring and um, evaluation yeah. uh, responsibility has moved to, to the presidency. So all those people in the presidency, what must they be saying? Surely somebody, they will say, like, give her a nudge and say, hey, say something. Say something, yeah, anything. Yeah. Like. And if she's not saying something, then, I mean, surely people should be asking questions or what are I, you doing? I what do you do every assume, day? I assume her defense is that she's working on it. We're in the middle of a crisis. I'm, I'm working on it. <laughs> I don't I have time to talk about it. I yeah. can't recall a single public statement. I don't statement. think she said a single thing. I've no. never seen this woman be That's why I checked with Ranjit. Oh, to my limited knowledge, she hadn't said a single word. I mean, I've been to press conferences yeah. at Megawatt Park where she had been there earlier. And when you ask these people, so she? what did you say? Yeah, what did she say? And they were like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> they just struck. Like, <laughs> she just like popped up and left, just, you know? Right. So she, she, I don't think she is bringing anything to, uh, you know, to, to, to help or even to, uh, you know, to, to engage in this debate on the electricity crisis. She's just bringing Please, nothing. I mean, you would think, uh, because I mean, every now and again in the Western Cape, we have a few power stations that need diesel every now and again. She should be the person saying, guys, organize some cheaper diesel. Yes. You know, cheaper coal. Yeah. Something. Something. Yeah. Something. I mean, at least she can come well, out and say, talking up uh, solar power, uh, you know, green energy. energy. There's all these issues. <laughs> you know, just. And things that are safe to say. Yes. Like green yeah, energy. Exactly. That's pretty safe. It's uncontroversial. In fact, she can just come out one day, just organize a press conference, green energy. That's yeah. <laughs> End of a it. round of applause. End of it. <laughs> the crowd goes, well done. <laughs> well done. Done. <laughs> but you know, it, but this is this is the thing that if she has nothing to say, it means there's nothing going on there. You know, mm. I, mean, I suppose we just appreciate the honesty. She's got nothing to tell us, and so she just doesn't say anything. But I think I can also just respect that. It's like, guys, when I've got something, you hear from me. Until mm. then, you know. Yeah, but in the meantime, the crisis continues. It's in been, the meantime, it's been a she takes home years, a, a two point two million salary. You know, so, so that's a, yeah. that's a, that's yeah, that's that's gonna have me silent now. I don't. I, yeah. No, no, two point two million would get. I would shut up. Anyway, if you're just joining us, um, you're tuned into the Daily Maverick show on Cliff Central. Uh, we just we talked a bit about the Rose Must Fall campaign. Now, briefly on the on the late pre, uh, late uh, minister Colin Shabani and and the and the, the impact of, of his passing on the on the on the cabinet and and could we see some reshuffling there? Um, Ranjani, I love you pointing out some of the sort of quote unquote weak ministries where we could see some changes: communication, state security, and energy. I think I think that's really something to watch. Well, the other one is oh, the boy, police ministry, <laughs> which leads it to Ranjani brings us to where we need to be. Yeah, the now, police ministry. I mean, what? is going I mean, on I get there. so confused and I'm just like so the police minister tries to get rid of Dramat and Sibia right yes. both those decisions are, are overturned they're both reinstated so my question is who is actually in charge of the Hawks right now <laughs> the, <And> like, <laughs> the Hawks are flying without who is, wings who is, <laughs> I sat there and I was just like who is I, 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 is it two people is it like is, I'm just, I think CBA is in hospital now for, for something separate so is it when he gets checked out he now takes over and, and, like and, an uh, acting head and an actual head yeah and Dramat hasn't been at the office because he's you know been uh, still still been suspended or voluntary suspension anyway he's waiting for the, for the matter to be resolved and then there's a new player in the in this in this game or, in the, or the shootout uh, is, uh, is, uh, is Robert McBride, you know, because they, they then try to suspend him. 
so you know it's it's been a complete and utter circus. And is there any wonder that there is a, a very noticeable spike in the crime rate? I mean, you have um, the reporters being mugged on camera, home, and that's <laughs> how brazen crime is yeah. now. Yeah. You know. So um, and the thing is that. David from Card Blanche was mugged for goodness sake. Yes, uh, yeah, Who mugs her? <laughs> Who? <laughs> Who has the goal to say, but, I'm going to mug you? Uh, but the thing is that, um, you know, I think that if government was playing whatever it is, this game that they're playing uh, with the Hawks and with everybody else that they, you know, the, 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 the state of suspension we're in, they should have at least ensured that the business of government continues. So, for example, to do with the police ministry, the business of crime fighting should continue. Absolutely. But what you see is that, okay, they do, you see that there they, they are announcements now and then from the Hawks that they've done this crime bust, that crime bust and whatever. But can you imagine the morale within, I mean, they're the, pri- the priority crimes uh, unit. Can you imagine the, the, the morale amongst the country's top investigators yeah. when they know there is a hit on the highest ranking officials, both yeah. national mm. and in Gauteng, um, from, from the politicians who then in those ranks would stick out their neck and want to do anything. Yeah, or, but, or pursue the tough cases. Sorry, exactly. But, but Ranjani, you also mentioned earlier, remember you just, uh, state security is one of the ministries you would definitely chuck out, you know, ministers rather. Um, I mean, the entire security cluster, police, um, state security, all of those guys coming together, there seems to have been a lot of chess playing in that arena. Absolutely. And and that seems not to serve those priorities that you pointed out, like, for example, keeping, um, you know, big shot drug dealers out mm. of the country, uh, making sure that ISIS doesn't infiltrate mm. the country. You yeah. know, they're not. And then obviously for people like you and I, making sure that people don't smash through my precast wall and take off with my generator. Mm. You know, those basics. That's not what it's been focused on. It's been focused on. Look, I, I don't know. I don't trust Ranjani on all that much, you know, within this cabinet thing. <laughs> so, you know, I, I'm going to tap your phone. I'm going to. Mm. Is that still happening? Because I know with uh, Mr. Mdluli, that was a huge issue. That's yes. when he came out. They, then we knew that um, those those resources were being focused on. There stuff is like a lot of skullduggery. For example, you know, the people I speak to in uh, in Kosatu and Numsa and things, they are so paranoid because they keep coming across incidents, uh, incidences where they, they, uh, they find uh, the, the, the security picks up that they're under surveillance, they're being followed, their phones are tapped, they break ins at their offices. So if you have that, at the, and that is purely political. It has nothing to do with crime. So if you have state agents then interfering on that mm. level, mm. can you imagine you know what's going on with the rest of us? I mean, you know, it, um, with with the newsrooms, are they bugging the editors, for example? We saw the signal jamming going on, but you know, for oh, no, the Daily Maverick is definitely. Bugged. <laughs> I'm sorry, that, that cat's <laughs> the virtual. But, you know, when you when you think about about people, you know, are heavily critical yeah. where, where people are pursuing in, in investigations. So, for example, News 24 as an investigations unit. Uh, Sunday Times has an investigation unit and Amabungane, um, um, uh, uh, you know, which is attached to the Mail and Guardian. What must mm. happen with those guys? I mean, surely, they, you know, you, 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 you can only imagine what, you know, what's going, but, what's going on uh, with them. So you, it makes you about afraid about the state of our society where the people who are in positions of power in charge of the state apparatus don't know what their jobs are. They think they are there to serve as a protection racket for the politicians rather than mm. to protect the state and the national interest. I mean, absolutely. I mean, just reading through what the the, the constitutional court judge said about Tandazo and Clemeza, and and it's I, I just wanted to read it out because I, I can't remember reading something so just plain and blunt. And she, and the reading is, in my view, the conduct of 
of the third respondent in brackets, Tlameza, shows that he is biased and dishonest to further show that the respondent lacks integrity and honor and he made false statements. Yo, yo, yo. Yes, I mean, how do you do that? As, as a person fighting priority crimes and you make a false statement under oath, you know, and but this shows there's also this desperation in the fight within uh, within the Hawks and um, in the security cluster as a whole because we don't know what is the reason that the police minister is why he is so determined and desperate to get rid of Dramat and Sabia. There is no, and I think you know what puzzles a lot of people more is that Dramat has. You know, quite a commendable reputation in, in MK. He served, he was on Robben Island. He was tortured by, you know, the, the state, uh, apartheid state police's like most notorious, um, uh, policemen. And he withstood all of those. He's, he's somebody that. That's a national you know, hero. That's yes, somebody we should And really NC government should, you know, say, hey, this is one of our one guys. Of let's, what, the thing, the question that still has to be answered is what has he done that has been so offensive? So the minister of police, um, and Natin Fleko says, oh, it's about human rights. Hello. 34 people were shot down in Marikana. What happened to human rights there when the police were shot them? You know, where so clearly, is your concern you know, about that? that mm-hmm. You know, or, or, or Andres Tatane or, you know, all these posi- this incidents of yeah. pr- police brutality. Yeah. You go and you pursue, um, the, the, uh, uh, um, Dramat and uh, Sibia with everything that happened in 2010. In 2010, with which the iPad report has yeah. shown not to be true that they that those two in particular cannot be held responsible. Mm-hmm. Then you fire the iPad head for 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 that. You know, it's just completely and utterly bizarre. It makes absolutely no sense. That's what I wanted to ask. I mean, what's the origin of this thing? All I ever hear is, and that's all every single report yeah. I've seen. And maybe this is, you know, showing my liking and not doing my homework. But the rendition of Five Zimbabweans, if I'm not mistaken, in 2010. That's in 2010. That's, that's that is what story. keeps on coming up. That's and the, I mean, that's wha- the cover story. And Ran- as Ranjani so said, I mean, I don't think anybody's really. Buying no, that. but uh, we've written about this before. What it, what it boils down to, if you trace back, yeah. is um, the reason, for example, that Robert McBride got um, got suspended in in the, the recent incident two weeks ago. Is that he, um, uh, he went to Sibia's office. Sibia phoned him and said that there were two crime intelligence agents wanting to remove some storage device from his office. So McBride then went there and asked, you know, whose, uh, device is it? He says, I mean, the, those cops then said it's Luli's device that they were trying to remove. So McBride, as a head of iPad, then Sees the device. Two days later, he's then summoned to the minister's office in Cape Town to say, why did you take that thing? So, <laughs> if you trace back, it's Luli sitting somewhere saying, I want my device. Oh, so McBride took it, get rid of it. You know, that, that's what it appears to be. And suddenly the minister jumps because of some storage device. Can you imagine? You go all the way to the high court to fight McBride because of a storage device that belongs to Luli. And this, the 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 the, the um, questions over Dramat and Sibia as well stems from their fight with Mluli because they were engaged in a battle with Mluli. Um, and the the you know there've been allegations that the, this whole rendition story yes. emanates from the Mluli camp, and so there's been this constant battle within the police because Mluli keeps trying to to get back to work to get back his position, and he feels that these guys are standing in the way. 
and that they will sabotage him if he if he gets back into office. So so basically, just the the, the state of our sort of security mechanism police is at the mercy of Richard Mulumi. Is what and, is what it sounds like. Until he decides, we will not do anything here. And, and this guy's Doctor Evil. <laughs> <laughs> You know, we don't know why. There's no good explanation. But you know, Richard Mluli worked for the apartheid police. He he joined uh, the police in the 70s. He has absolutely no link to the, to the ANC. So why would the ANC bite off its own? Why would they like slaughter its own children oh, from Mluli and apartheid era policemen? It, uh, it just boggles isn't the mind. A, isn't this the same guy that made a phone call to a, to a particular gentleman not too long ago and said, I can guarantee you certain positions like you know, remember the pre Mangaung conference? Was it pre Mangaung where Richard uh, Mdluli said uh, that you know everything is sorted? Don't worry, I'm making sure everything is working. I don't, out I can't remember that particular incident, but I remember that there was a sort of another fake intelligent report which uh, emanated oh. from him. Yeah, mm. but I'm not sure about guaranteeing positions. No, because I think that it was uh, the issue of contestation, and there was. But I mean, you would obviously know much more than. Um, contestation leading up to Mangahung, the concern was uh, that obviously there was Tokyo, there was Khalema um, mm. coming through with their challenges and Mdluli supposedly made a phone call saying that, don't worry, it's all sorted, you're not really going to have a challenge. How Mdluli was in a position to say that exactly, no one knows. No one knows. Mm. But then, I mean, uh, people started saying that they, <laughs> I mean, remember uh, Malema's fav- uh, famous uh, quote, Hello, Mdluli. Every yes, time he answers yes, the phone, yeah. he says hello. There Mdluli. is a lot of paranoia at the moment because nobody knows quite who's running the show. Uh, it, there is a belief that Mdluli, people uh, still loyal to Mdluli mm. uh, are there operating behind the scenes in the police and that they are the ones that are kind of pulling the, uh, the strings to get Sibia and, and Dramat out. I mean, at what point do we just have to bring it back to the president and listen and say, listen, the buck stops with you. What is happening? Well, because we can blame Richard Mluli and blame whoever, but at the end of the day, who, who was elected to be in this position? I think that, that, that would through. have to be the next round of questions yeah. in Parliament to and the President. Is that how much do you know about it? Are, are, you know, are you aware of what Nseko is doing? Is he doing this? At, uh, you know, has he briefed you on it? Do you, you know, do you have full knowledge of what's going on and the impact this has on crime fighting? Um, people asked him, I think, in the last round of, mm. uh, of questions to the President, uh, about, um, there's so many heads of institutions, uh, I mean, there's so many institutions that have no heads now and he said oh no that you know it's only a matter of time before like the special investigating unit and all these uh, um, institutions are stabilized but this hasn't happened yet so you know this is the problem is that the president uh, you know it is very very difficult to hold him to account and as, in some ways that's why it's unfortunate that you know we, co- we constantly have this pay back the money yeah. thing on Kandla because there's so much else that he needs mm. to be held to account mm. for um, and much more serious issues such as, um, you know, the National Prosecuting Authority, the uh, Special Investigation Unit, the Hawks, all of them. The issues with ESCOM, we have the issues yes. with ABC. So we've got, we've got a lot of questions. We've got that we a lot of things, yeah, that, that he, ne- he needs to be able to answer. Uh, you know, but the thing is, in as much as, you know, it keeps on coming back to number one, yeah. right? And we're saying that he needs to be held to account and we know that he should appear in Parliament, uh, that he should answer these questions. But Ranjani, you know, and then maybe this is just me being cynical. But it's reached a point where it seems that a lot of the stuff has just become really cosmetic. The president appears. He uh, avoids and eludes questions. The EFF call him out on it. Maimani has definitely shaken up things at the DA. He calls him out on things. It becomes ugly. It becomes acrimonious. They're pointing fingers. They're saying things to each other way out of order. But the point is the president walks away unscathed. Back to business. And that's why I think the president, to quote Stephen Khrutis, that's why... He, 
people get so annoyed with the fact that he just has that laugh, you know, that giggle, that snigger that he walks away with. I That's think what that it feels the, like. the president is a master of kicking things into touch. You know, he is able to delay things to say, I'll get back to you. Yeah. The hang ten, you know that's what he's done on mm. on Kandla Nai. He's basically said that they have to wait for Nseko's report, and um, uh, th- then he, you know, he, they after that he'll answer. But now there's another prolonged process because now it has to go back to Parliament. There has to be another ad hoc committee that has to look at Nseko's um, report, and so it's going to be a while still before he has to answer whether he will pay or not, depending on what uh, what is in the police minister's report. But on other issues as well, you know, where he just says. Um, it's going to happen very soon and yeah. years can pass, you know, and they, unfortunately there aren't a, enough safety mechanisms and, uh, and accountability mechanisms to, to be able to say, excuse me, you said, like for example, last week I wrote that the public protectors report was released in March last year. She gave him 14 days. Yeah. To respond to the report One year later Here we are, still, here we are. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You know It's uh, still not it's, it's still not acted on And absolutely. this is what happens I'm, 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 I think I'm on a bit of a loss for words I think the, the, our conversation on state institutions and, and That's and depressing it's, it's, it's a bit depressing anyway, On the Protea loss And 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 I mean, we need we need something to look forward to. We need we need something to you know. But you know, Jenny's got something for us. On the protea loss, uh, can you imagine <laughs> for the for, for the next week on social media on radio call-in shows? You know, people would be moaning and groaning about it and things, and then it's gone. Uh, you know, people. I I, I wonder what's going to happen at the airport if you're going to have like a reception committee for them, or if they're just going to limp home and go go quietly. But the thing is, South Africa is uh, you know. We, South Africans are master whiners. We know how to moan and groan, but we don't know how to act on issues. Yeah, for sure. You know, and, and, and that's the big problem with it. The cricket will weep and cry and, you know, scream about it for a while and then drop it. And the same thing will happen with, uh, with Nkandla eventually. I think Nkandla would have been gone a long time ago if Julius Malema, the EFF, didn't keep it alive. Um, I think that the same thing will happen with the roads issue. I think it'll, you know, the, the, maybe the statue will come down, maybe it won't, but it'll peter out after a while. People Mm. get tired and go home. Mm. And, um, you know, with the, with the state institutions as well, you've got, um, uh, the, the, this hawks battle going on, and so, South Africans have been spectators in this whole thing. You know, the, there's no process where we can say, "Excuse me, Minister, Mr. Minister." You know, we're being mugged on camera. Yeah, can you like? Can you do something? Yeah, can you do something? Yeah, um, you know, do your job and make sure that the police are doing their job instead of keep dragging them off to court. That's horrific. Unfortunately, that's all, t- all the time we have. Frangeli, I'm going to count to you. On the next show, I will be the voice of hope and, <laughs> and sunlight. <laughs> uh, but anyway, it's just, a really big <laughs> <laughs> it's just a big thank you to Daily Maverick contributor, Gasho Brooks, uh, Daily Maverick associate director, and Jenny, thanks for joining us. Um, and yeah, thanks for tuning in. We will see you next week. The Daily Maverick Show on cliffcentral.com.